first time uh, with Richard Boyle at the Sidewalk Cafe in Venice. This is after you wrote your book. Yeah, after I wrote my so book. Why are you telling about writing the book? Well, I wrote the book, and uh, I was living at the Santa Monica Bay Club. I was sleeping on a mattress on the floor. I had a $42 uh, manual typewriter that I bought at Sears and Roebuck in Santa Monica. And with two fingers, I wrote uh, Born on the Fourth of July, the first draft, in one month, uh, uh, three weeks, and two days. And uh, with that manuscript, I flew to New York with a friend. We met with several publishers, and uh, McGraw-Hill Book Company published the book. The book came out uh, and was published on the front page, reviewed on the front page. There you go. Reviewed on the front page of the New York's, uh, the New York, Sunday New York, uh, Sunday Times book review. And uh, got a good review. And then uh, not long after the, actually not long after the, uh, I think it was the August 15th, 1976, New York Times uh, book review, uh, born on the 4th of July. Then I received a second, also positive review the following day, Sunday and a Monday. And uh, it was a few days later, I received a call from my agent in New York City at the time, my literary agent, uh, Lynn Nesbitt at International Creative Management, telling me that... Uh, uh, there was someone interested in uh, uh, taking out an option on, on making making the book into a movie. His name was Mark Bregman, Marty Bregman, who had produced Dog Day Afternoon and Serpico, the movie Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon and several other movies. And uh, he also worked closely with uh, uh, Al Pacino. And so um, Bregman and I, I, I went into New York City, met with Bregman, met with Pacino for the very first time, and. Uh, they took out an option, and uh, they hired a screenwriter, initially hired a screenwriter, to write uh, the adaptation of my book, Born on the Fourth of July, for the screen. And uh, uh, long story short, he did not write, uh, the script that he wrote was, uh, Al Pacino was not happy with it, and Bregman wasn't either, uh, they did not accept it, and they're searching for another screenwriter. And there was another screenwriter that had just come from London, Oliver Stone, who was um, uh, who had just written, um, who had just adapted uh, uh, the Billy Hayes story, uh, Midnight Express, but Midnight Express, the movie Midnight Express, uh, and then he he had come. I think he came back to New York, and uh, uh, one thing led to another. Ran into a friend, if I'm not mistaken, and his friend told him that Bregman was looking for a screenwriter, and he. Uh, met with, uh, from what I remember, he, he met with the, the he met with Brakeman, and Brakeman uh, sent him out to the coast to meet with me. And Oliver went out to the West Coast, and uh, we met at the Sidewalk Cafe. And I was with Richard Boyle that day, uh, uh, who was later the uh, uh, Richard and Oliver co-wrote uh, Salvador, the movie Salvador together. But um, Richard, who had been a longtime friend of mine. And uh, so the three of us met that day. And actually, you know, I told the story once, quite a few times. When we met that day, I remember telling Oliver, you know, there's something about your name. It just sounds like a name that's going to win the Academy Award. <laughs> really, it's Oliver Stone. It just sounded like it was going to be a, a very famous name someday and uh, uh, a name that was going to win a lot of awards. Just, just I don't know, I had a real, a real uh, ring of destiny about it, that name. And so. Uh, yeah, that's how we met, and then Oliver and I, that, then Marty sent him out to meet with me, and that's where we met out there, and then we worked together for quite a while. I went back and forth 
between L.A. and New York, there were several different directors that came and went, and uh, we got within a couple of days of principal photography in New York, and the film uh, film fell apart, and uh, uh, Pacino left to do a movie with uh, Norman Jewison called uh, Injustice for All, um, and it, it broke our hearts. Uh, I remember being in an elevator in New York at Bregman's uh, building, uh, saying to Oliver, Okay. All technical difficulty ended it called a commercial. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I am not in a celebratory mood. Um, n- not everyone has rights right now, so that's why. But if you want to celebrate, that's fine. It's not just America's birthday, though. America, which has really been torn from limb to limb through um, corruption and bullshit. And I'm sure someone else would echo that same sentiment. He was born today on July 4th, 1946, and has been uh, disabled since 1968, and that's Mr. Ron Kovic, who wrote Born on the 4th of July. And that is a, a piece of him talking about him and Oliver Stone bringing the film to fruition and how, um, yeah, yeah. Born on the 4th of July, starring Tom Cruise as uh, Ron Kovic. Um, but first, Ron has a lot of friends. And here's one of them. Ladies and gentlemen, Ron Kovic. I met Bruce Springsteen for the first time in 1978 at the Sunset Marquee Hotel in Hollywood, California. I remember on one afternoon seeing a young man uh, swimming in the pool. And when he got out of the pool, I went up to him and I said, uh, you probably don't know me, but my name is Ron Kovic. And I wrote a book called Born on the Fourth of July, and I'm a Vietnam veteran. Uh, He seemed surprised, and he said... I just read that book. We talked for a while, and he invited me to San Francisco to see him perform at the Winterland Arena. It was my first Bruce Springsteen concert, and then somewhere in the middle of that extraordinary performance that night, Bruce looked out into the audience, and he said, this one's for you, Ron. And he began to sing darkness on the edge of town I remember as I sat in my wheelchair I began to cry and it was the first time I had cried in a long time being born on the 4th of July has always meant a lot to me and knowing you Bruce has made it even more special to have been born in the USA So, yeah, that's Ron Kovic honoring his friend, Bruce Springsteen. Born on the 4th of July is, that's a tough film. I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan, but that probably is Tom Cruise's best performance. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And um, 
Oliver, you know, we talked about the doors yesterday, and Oliver Stone did the doors. Well, he also did Born on the Fourth of July. And, um, my goodness. What a, what a powerful film. Oliver Stone won his second Oscar for directing Born on the Fourth of July. A powerful film. Because it is based on the real story of Ron Kovic. And how he went from this gung-ho young man who willingly served his country. And then came back. And everything changed. So. And I thought, let's, let's do a. Let's talk about some of the footage of Born on 4th of July. Clear a pass for me up there, please. Stand back. Thank you. I had a dream, Ronnie. And you were speaking to a large crowd. And you were saying great things. Tell him the truth. Any plans for the future? We need your help. This will see. Mr. Kovic, would you please sign your book? Alrighty, coming through. All right, sweetheart. Right on through. Right on through. How does it feel, Mr. Kovic, to be addressing the entire country? Uh, An honor. It's been a long way for us to have. Just lately. I felt like I'm home. You know? Like, you know, maybe we're home. That's the ending of Born on the Fourth of July and the road that Ron Kovic and many veterans I know because I have veterans in my family of the Vietnam War. Um, oh, God, this is a powerful film. I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan. I'm really not. But this film... I think I watched it in school. I, I really don't remember. And what's interesting is, you know, it was he was nominated for an Oscar and he and he lost to um Daniel Day Lewis in my left foot. So this that was the beginning of, of Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis who has run won three Academy Awards. That was that was a stellar year. I mean you had Robin Williams and Dip Hope Society and you had um tired of hearing about how you had uh Morgan Freeman and Driving Miss 
Daisy and I'm trying to think who else. It was it was a it was a powerful film. And um you know that's the thing with the Oscars is that it's kind of like it's a rat race because there are so many great films. And um let me see. <sighs> but yeah, I I mean, I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan, but the fact that he played I, that's a living character. Ron Kovic is still with us. Okay, so the nominees were Daniel Day-Lewis for My Left Foot, Kenneth Branagh for Henry V, Tom Cruise for Born on the Fourth of July, Morgan Freeman, Driving Miss Daisy, Robin Williams, Dead Poet Society. Those are all iconic moments. And here's here's a trailer if you've never seen Born on the Fourth of July. I couldn't wait to fight my first war. We got him! We got him! Let the word go forth. Oh, Daddy, the soldiers! That the torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans. Your brother's a hard worker, Tommy. Win or lose. School, sports, and life. As long as you do your best. That's what matters to God. First off, young men, let's get one thing straight. There is nothing prouder as a United States Marine. Our dad's got to go to WW2. This is our chance to do something. You should think about what you're doing. You could get yourself killed. Did you ever think about that? Just help me, Jesus. Help me to make the right decision. Sometimes I just like to stay here and never leave. But I gotta go. 13,000 miles. It's a long way to go to fight a war. Don't you know what it means to me to be a Marine, Dad? Ever since I was a kid, I've wanted this. I wanted to serve my country. I want to go to Vietnam. And I'll die there if I have to. There's something happening here. You gotta try and stay alive, okay? You hear me? Chicago has an Alice in Wonderland quality about it. Things are getting curiouser and curiouser. Come on, get up there, get up there. Keep going, keep going, come on. Mom, honey. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Young people speak in their minds. Are getting so much resistance from behind. Time way to stop. Hey, what's that sound? That's the trailer, Born on the 4th of July, released in 1989. A powerful film, probably Tom Cruise's best performance. I'm, you know, I love the performance of Magnolia, but this is because this is a real person who is still with us, who is 76 years old today. Happy birthday, Ron. 
and to all of the veterans who had no idea what they were going into. Oh my goodness, they had no idea. And Ron came back a changed man. And we'll get to his interview in a bit. But this is more... I I urge all of you to watch Born on the Fourth of July to really see what war does to people. You know, people are gung-ho. He was gung-ho. He was gung-ho. He wanted to serve his country. And what happened? to express how the leadership of this government sickens me. People say, people say, if you don't love America, then get the hell out. Well, I love America. We love the people of America very much, but when it comes to the government, it stops right there. The government is a bunch of corrupt thieves. They are rapists and robbers. And we are here to say that we don't have to take it anymore. We are here to say, we are here to tell the truth. And so that that's a powerful scene, and I want to continue to the interview with it was four years ago with Ron Kovic on writing Born of the Fourth of July, and how him and Oliver Stone finally got it made. If I ever make it, if I ever make it in Hollywood, if I ever break through, I'm going to come back from you, Ron, for you, Ronnie, and I'm going to make Born on the Fourth of July. So you may have promised that if he ever made it in Hollywood, because he was a struggling screenwriter at the time, not that many people even knew the name uh, Oliver Stone, uh, not that well known, and uh, he was, you know, to go on to uh, initially uh, win the Academy Award, the Golden Globe for. Um, uh, writing, uh, what was it, for writing, uh, it was Midnight Express, right, for Midnight Express, and, uh, and we were young back then, we were in our, we were in our late, uh, yeah, we were in our late 20s, early 30s, and, uh, we were, we were quite young back then, and we were both, both of us really were, were, 
struggling to get our Vietnam stories out. And he had given me a copy of Platoon, and I remember reading the beginning of it. It was so powerful. It was overwhelmingly powerful. It was a devastating uh, script. And, but nobody wanted to do it. And it, and, and I, I, it looked like Fourth of July wasn't going to get done either. But then uh, many, many years passed. He stayed in touch with me. Every time I ran into Oliver uh, in those years uh, before his, his big breakthrough with Platoon, every time I would run into him, he would always bemoan the fact that uh, we had lost Fourth of July in New York. We had made Fourth of July. And we had come so close. And then, you know, he, he kept reminding me uh, that, that uh, you know, uh, you know, it should have happened. We said he, he he had a chip on his shoulder about it, you know, and um, so um, then finally, finally, uh, he did Salvador with the help of a couple of friends of mine, uh, Richard Boyle and Doctor Rock, and uh, it was a I don't know how it did at the box office, but it was, it was a real critical success, and and it was enough to interest um, uh, funding for Platoon. So finally. Uh, made Platoon, and uh, just Platoon was a phenomenon. It was a phenomenal success. I can still remember that time. It was, it was everywhere. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was going to see that movie. I remember seeing the first. I remember seeing the screening of the initial screening of the movie, and it was, it was just, it was one of the most powerful movies I had ever seen. It was just tremendous. And uh, I had gone to quite a few of his screenings. Uh, I didn't go to the Hand, but I went to. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I saw Salvador and, and quite a few of uh, these early screenings, but um, Platoon was just, it was on a whole nother level. It was just tremendous. And it was, uh, it won the Academy Award that year. It won just about everything, and it put him in a, in a really great position. And not long after that, uh, I received a call. He was in New York, and he was um, wrapping, uh, wrapping up the movie Wall Street in New York. Uh, and I received a call from... How, how many of you yeah. have seen Wall Street? Yeah. You can learn more about watching that movie yeah. than uh, getting a degree from this uh, business school. <laughs> That's my comment. Yeah, just to, 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 to make... To, 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 to shorten it. Uh, I was asked to go to New York. My, my agent called me. He said that Oliver was going to call me. And he, the, it was... Uh, it broke our hearts the first time that it fell through, uh, and uh, and then um, the agent said he was going to call. The novel said, "You know, we're going to try again." So I flew to New York. We went out to Massapequa, and uh, we scouted the town. Then I went back, and one thing led to another. You know, we met with uh, we met with different actors. We met with. Uh, Charlie Sheen initially at an Italian restaurant in Santa Monica. I remember that. And then we met with, eventually, we met with Sean Penn at, uh, uh, at Oliver's house in Santa Monica at the time. And that didn't work out for one reason or another. Then Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, with the help of Tom and Oliver's agent, uh, uh, Paula Wagner, right? Paula Wagner. Uh, we all came together that day, uh, came down to my my rented house in Redondo Beach, uh, both of these extraordinary men came to my house and uh, that was the beginning of uh, this second attempt. And there were a couple of times when it didn't look like it was gonna happen, but it, it finally did happen and uh, it changed my life. And it was extraordinary what happened. It was, he was tremendous on the set. I wish you could have been with me. I wish you could have seen him work on the set. I mean, he was the captain of the ship, you know, he was, 
He had tremendous respect. All the people who worked with him respected him and worked with him. And uh, he just, uh, it was just, it was a great experience to be in Dallas, Texas, to be working on the story of my life, to be working with him, to see his promise come true, that dream come true. It just, it meant the world to me. And uh, I, I, I uh, for the rest of my life, I will thank him uh, for changing my life, for making that movie, for for sending out, if I, you know, the, the greatest speech I could ever give about the reality of what war does to human beings was because of that film that Oliver did. And uh, I'll, I'll always be grateful to you for that. Thank you. And so that's Ron Kovic talking about how, you know, the second attempt it fell through. And then finally, the... the or the first attempt falls through, and then finally the second attempt happens, and it changes everybody's lives. And here is Oliver Stone himself talking about making Born on the Fourth of July. The problem uh, you saying to me, uh, what is the, the obstacles for Hollywood and war films? And that is a very important point. Is just it's not. You have to realize that when it comes to war, killing people, shooting people, bombs, people dying, it's a very political thing. It never is, it's very difficult to, uh, except unless you're some third world country, to really tell it like it is. Every country gets wrapped up in its own sense of self and its own flag. And these things are so distorted through time and the more you see of war films, it's really hard to get through. Even on Born the Fourth of July, and certainly on Platoon, I know of patriotic issues that came up. And we had to uh, thread the needle, in a sense. Uh, it's a very... And when I hit Heaven and Earth, which is a Vietnamese refugee story from about a woman, uh, it was impossible to... There was no interest at all to begin with. Uh, now it's different, but not, not that much. There was no interest in the Vietnamese side of the story certainly for the American side, and it was sad to see that movie die, because it, it cost a lot, and it was a lot of, actually the most expensive of the three, tremendous amount of work we put into it, backbreaking, creating villages and agriculture of the Vietnam, and all the love and attention we devoted to it with Lei Lisa. It was sad to see that happen. Born was the uh, another tragedy, because we, we Ron and I were hard heartbroken. I mean, he was chasing me down the boardwalk in Venice one night, trying to catch me. It's pretty scary. Uh, because he, he was angry about the film and he, he just was lashing out. And uh, it, it was painful. Uh, to come back and do it, what turned out to be was Tom Cruise came in and made it, uh, made it financeable. Al Pacino had always been an issue. He was 38 years old when he was doing the original. I saw him rehearse. I saw the rehearsals with my own eyes. It was unbelievable, a performance in a wheelchair, but it was theatrical. It belonged in a theater. 38, 39-year-old man playing a 21-year-old kid is not always the best thing. I think he's a great actor. Maybe he would have gotten away with it, but maybe in the end there was a reason for the delay. I never thought I would end up directing it. Never in my in my wildest dreams. So anyway, it did happen, as Ron said, and uh, we we got rolling. And uh, Cruz was a movie star. He'd just been in Top Gun, Top Gun. So he was the reigning star, sex symbol, young man. And here he was playing this role that everybody was laughing, kind of saying, "You're never going to pull this off. You're just going with him for money because you can get it financed." 
and you know he's not he's not an actor and so forth and so on. So it was it was demeaning. But I, Ron and I know that the guy worked like a dog, and he went to hang out for hours with Ron, going to department stores and uh, sidewalks, and seeing all the little problems of everyday life. He cared about detail, as he always does in his acting. And if you watch closely, he's very impeccable on detail. Look at Rain Man as another example. Uh, and uh, you'll see a, a devoted person. And uh, the film was not without its problems. We had, it was very difficult to shoot in Dallas with the, uh, in the medical ward there. It was just so graphic and realistic and depressing. The Veterans Hospital, which was... For, they stand in for the Bronx VA in, uh, in Ron's story, the Bronx VA. The parents, the homecoming, heartbreaking, uh, wonderful actors. Uh, we had problems with the ending. We had to do another ending because uh, the original didn't work. Uh, and it was, uh, Tom was pushing for the other ending. And I have to say he was right. Uh, the ending ended up being a different ending in the Democratic Convention. We originally shot the whole speech at the Democrat, and that didn't work. It was too much, so we went back to, with another. He, it's the moment he comes out onto the stage as opposed to delivers a speech. And uh, marketing was an issue because the Universal was balking. It was an 18, supposed to be a 17 million dollar film, and it was a 19 or 20 million dollar film, and they were very upset and uh, didn't want to spend that much money. And the crews had to get involved and. You know what I'm saying, the way these things work. Uh, they put up uh, enough money to open the film. Thank God. Because, frankly, the day that we opened the film, December of uh, 1979, no, 70, uh, 78, just 89. Oh, I'm sorry, December of 89, uh, we invaded Panama the same day to get rid of General Noriega, which was pretty outrageous. A kind of military uh, exploitation of a situation that we were sending troops basically to invade Panama. We had no legal right to. It was complete inter intervention and uh, flouting of international law, which was the beginning of a whole new period in American intervention abroad. So it was interesting. That killed our box office a bit the first day. Everybody was on the flag. Hello, Narda. Waving the flag, everybody was saying America and Panama. We get rid of this bum Noriega, and it didn't do it didn't do great business that first weekend, but enough to survive. And we got grow and we grew through the Christmas season, thank God. And uh, it never made as much money, half the money of Platoon, but it was a perennial. It was a it was it was it was a winner. It was uh, you sensed that it would go on like a flower in winter, a lotus in the mud. And it would be a good one. And it came. It's always plays, and it, it's recycled and it plays throughout the world. And Cruz got nominated. And we all did. Uh, unfortunately, they rolled out the platform several times, but they never let Ron up. But uh, they gave me one, and uh, I felt terrible because Cruz didn't get one, and nobody else except me and uh, the editors. I believe the editors maybe something. And uh, so. Uh, uh, these things are painful. Uh, that was a tough film. I remember uh, I was sick during the shooting. I got sick, and uh, you were so uh, vivid. You were so vivid. You were always there. You were rooting for everybody. You wanted this. Couldn't believe this dream to come true. I remember one detail: the house in Long Island when I went out with massive people was very small. But I was used to slightly bigger houses. This was yeah, this was suburban. Uh, Massive people, small corridors, small everything. 
because I guess in the 1950s they built that way. And I remember when we came to the set, the, the natural tendencies, they always want to make things wider, bigger, because, of course, it's a Hollywood production. You have to have cameras and access and all. So, But I insisted that we, we squeeze as much as possible. And you see it in the film because we shot it in, uh, in scope, cinemascope, amazing effect. To be in a wheelchair, very narrow, at the same time you're going very wide. And you put that in these corridors and you fly down these corridors. It's, it looks good. It's, it, it does hit you. The perspective changes hit you. And I have to say, uh, uh, it was a painful shoot. We ended up in the Philippines and uh, did the last section there with the sun going down the last day and we ran out of time. And we were shooting Defoe and uh, crews fighting in the, in the sand, if you remember correctly. So that's the, the director of Born on the Fourth of July talking about the making of it. They went, they went through a lot um, just to get it made. But, um, yeah, and so I figured today, let's, let's celebrate Ron Kovic's story, the fact that he was born today. He was always proud, he said, to be born on the 4th of July. Kovic received the Golden Globe Award for Best uh, Screenplay on January 20th, 1990, 22 years to the day after he was wounded in Vietnam, was nominated for an Academy Award in the same category. <sighs> Let's see. Post-Vietnam... From 1990 to 1991, Kovic took part in several anti-war demonstrations against the first Gulf War, which occurred not long after the release of his biographical film. In May of 1999, following the U.S. bombing of Chinese embassy in Belgrade, Yugoslavia, Kovic met with China's ambassador to the United States to express his condolences and present the ambassador and staff with two dozen red roses. He was an outspoken critic of the Iraq War. Bruce Springsteen wrote the song Shut Out the Light after reading Kovic's memoir and then meeting him. Yep. Mm. What a powerful film. Born on the 4th of July. And uh, let's, oh, here we go. On the night of July 15th, 1976, at the Democratic National Convention at Madison Square Garden in New York City, Kovic spoke from the podium, sec- uh, seconding the nomination of draft resistor Fritz Efwa for Vice President of the United States. Yep. In 1974, Kovic led a group of disabled Vietnam veterans in wheelchairs, which is in the film, on a 17-day hunger strike inside the Los Angeles office of Senator Alan Cranston. The veterans protested the poor treatment in America's veterans' hospitals and demanded better treatment for returning veterans. A full investigation of Vietnam veterans' VA facilities and face-to-face meeting with the head of the VA, Donald E. Johnson. The strike continued to escalate until Johnson finally agreed to fly out from Washington, D.C., Meet with the veterans. The hunger strike ended soon after that. Several months later, Johnson resigned. In late night, August 1974, Kovic traveled to Belfast, Northern Ireland, where he spent a week at the Catholic stronghold of Turf Lodge, interviewing both political activists and residents. In the spring of 1975, Kovic, author Rob, uh, Richard Boyle, and photojournalist Loretta Smith traveled to cover the Cambodian Civil War in Cambodia for Pacific News Services. Powerful, powerful film. Ron is still with us today. Today he is 70, 
six years old. And I mean, what a what a long life. And here we go. This is um. Let's go over to here. I figured, you know, this is this is Ron's story. Ron has a lot to say. I think um, it's important because I know a lot of people who are gung ho for war, and they don't realize. Well, it's, it's uh, pretty devastating at the end of the day and um let's see I'm looking for cuz you know I don't think he does many interviews now <sighs> um she's born on the 4th of July came out 33 years ago Ronkovic has stayed active Here's an interview uh, from 2019, I believe. And you're here again. I know I should see you here every year. What do you think of this again? Well, I think Dylan Fest is wonderful. Uh, I love Bob Dylan's songs. Uh, the first time I heard his music, I was uh, uh, a young Marine stationed uh, at uh, Camp Lejeune. And... Uh, the, uh, North Carolina, and uh, I, uh, somebody in, down the squad bay was playing a subterranean homesick blues. That's the first time I heard that voice, and I thought, boy, that sounds like an interesting voice. You know, he's made such a profound impact, not only in our country but around the world. He's an extraordinary person. And this is a great celebration, and what's wonderful is uh, that so many people are turning out every year. More and more people seem to be coming to Dylan Fest. I think that's great. We're going to have a wonderful day today. It is. It is. I thank you for your Thank you. Thank you. Even though I was paralyzed in Vietnam, in many ways I see that it was a blessing in disguise. I've been able to recognize that, that peace is so much more important than war. Uh, love and understanding and compassion respecting the lives of each and every human being. How many more bombs are we going to have to drop? Uh, how many more uh, people are going to have to die? We've got to profoundly change. And I'd like to turn in my bronze star and two purple hearts. I lost my leg in Vietnam, and I'm totally opposed to this war we're carrying on over there. I'm sick of what they've got going, and until they stop killing your brothers, they're the traitors. Stop them. Robert Jones, New York, I symbolically return all Vietnam medals and other service medals given me by the power structure that has genocidal policies against non-white peoples of the world. And that's, <clears throat> that's from paying the price for peace. Good night. Happy birthday, Ron.